guys. Ah, good to see you. Um, I have uh, had a week back from D.C., had a wonderful uh, trip with my kids, and it was one of those trips that actually went really, really slow, which is weird because you would think it would go pretty darn fast, but it didn't. It was wonderful. Got to DoorDash in several places of D.C. while I was there, and uh, one was a little bit sketchy, if I do say so myself. Uh, but we're going to continue our discussion from the last one, which was like two or three weeks ago, on the, the interlude that we're in now. So just a quick refresher. You have specific events that occur in heaven, that release things on earth, and then you have uh, like an interlude, which is kind of like a behind the scenes, and then you go to the next thing. So specifically, you have like the the uh, seals, and then you have um, the trumpets, and then you have the bowls, and the bowls are where there is no um, there's no there's no repentance left. I mean, it's just straight up judgment, and. We got to the place in Revelation chapter 11, 1 through 3. I'll go ahead and read that and um, catch us up a little bit because it's been a, bit, a while. And then we'll, we'll finish off with these two witnesses. But I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation and it says, Then I was given a measuring stick. And I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will give them power over my two witnesses. And they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those 1,260 days. Okay. Uh, so we have, um, you know, first John eats the small scroll, just like Ezekiel ate a scroll. Then he is told to measure uh, the temple of God and the altar, just like Ezekiel was told to measure the temple and the altar. What's interesting about both of them is that during Ezekiel's time and during John's time, there was no altar. I mean, there was no temple. Uh, the temple in Jerusalem that Herod built had been destroyed in 70 AD by General Titus. And then the one that uh, Ezekiel was told to measure had been destroyed by the Babylonians. So I find it interesting like, what exactly we're talking about. Is this a vision? Is this um, a heavenly pattern? You know, so it's just a very interesting thing, but it could allude to a, a third temple, which would not surprise me at all. And then, of course, we have where the Gentiles will trample the holy city for 42 months. Uh, that is referenced in Luke 21, 24 through 28, when the Lord said they will be killed by sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. So this is referring, of course, to the trampling for 42 months. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the son of man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. And so when they, when all these things begin to happen, stand up and look for your salvation is near. Okay, so the witnesses, uh, just as a refresher, the word witness in the Greek is quote, one who has information or knowledge of something. 
and hence one who can give information, bring to light, or confirm something. So these uh, witnesses are going to confirm the word of the Lord. Their clothing is interesting because it's burlap. And according to um, the definition of that, burlap was worn by persons in mourning and as a sign of repentance. So it's called sackcloth in the Old Testament. And it's a heavy material that was normally made for sacks. It was coarse and uh, uncomfortable to remind one that they are um, in repentance or they're grieving, you know, to make them have some discomfort during that time. And they're saying a very simple message repent before it's too late. So if you look back, and by the way, all of these are on the Destination Church podcast. That's the name of the podcast is Destination Church. I probably need to change the name. But when we look back, you have the seals. The seals were kickstarted by the prayers of the saints asking when the Lord was going to avenge them. So our prayers mixed with his incense, bam, the seals are uh, opened. At the seventh seal, the world thought, that it was the end, and they panicked. Um, but, no, I'm sorry, it might be the sixth seal, um, either the sixth or seventh. And in between the sixth and the seventh, there were three woes, or the seventh opened up the woes. You know what, just let me look back, because now I'm getting myself a little bit confused here. Okay, so the fifth trumpet brings the fifth terror, the sixth brings the second, and we've not, oh, I'm sorry, that's the trumpet. Hang on one second. I like to be correct. Okay, so we have the first six seals. And then I watched as a lamb. So this is in Revelation 6, 12. Broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves. And they um, asked that those mountains and rocks would fall on them and hide them from the throne and from the wrath. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? So then you have the interlude. He breaks the seventh seal, which kicks off the trumpets. Okay, so now we have the sixth trumpet that brings the second terror, and then there's another interlude interlude to show what is happening in heaven and what John is doing. So one of the things he sees are these two witnesses. But the main thing is the sixth trumpet has blown. At the last trumpet, the church is caught up. And so there's nothing to stop his wrath. So the two witnesses are like, hey guys, you're running out of time. And so before the final trumpet, you've got this last opportunity to repent. And remember, one of the terrors brought a preview of hell where scorpion-like creatures came up from the abyss, from Hades, and they were tormenting people for five months. The people that were being tormented they were praying um, for death. They tried to commit suicide. It didn't work. And so God is trying to give them a preview of what eternity is going to look like. And yet they still did not repent. So here we are with the two witnesses. They're telling them, repent before it's too late. Because they know after this sixth trumpet, it's going to be too late. Okay, so now let's get into um, 
verse 4, which is where we stopped the last time, where it says, These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. So we have an obvious um, uh, Elijah anointing and a Moses anointing, which if you think about the fact that the book, the book of first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles is showing the, the history and the general um, disintegration of the nation until it was taken uh, captive, right? And then we have an Isaiah, can a nation be born in a day? And it was because Israel was reborn after the Balfour um, agreement after World War II. So Israel all of a sudden became a nation. So that jump-started the end of the age, Okay, that was the stopwatch, not the end of the age, but that was the stopwatch counting down to the final seven years, I guess I should say. And uh, and so you have, during the kings, Elijah, who was the one of two that was raptured. The other one was Enoch, and then you have Elijah, okay? So I think that's why he's probably in it. Plus, Jesus said um, that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Elijah must come. And then we know that Elijah came through Jonathan Baptist, and I believe that he will once again uh, come through a group of Christians that are demonstrating that anointing. But we have here with um, these witnesses that they're operating in those two, Elijah and Moses for sure. Okay, now let's go to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah actually has a lot in it about the end of the age. And this is one of those um, passages that we're going to look at that is, I believe, referring to the two witnesses. Okay, so in verse 1 through 4, it says, And the angel who had been talking to, with me returned and uh, woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now? He asked. I answered, I see a gold, solid gold lampstand. With a bowl of oil on top of it, around the bowls are seven lamps, and each having seven spouts with wicks. And I see two olive trees, one on each side of the bowl. And then I ask the angel, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Oh, we're going to go on down to verse 6. Don't you know, the angel said? No, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Okay, now... The lampstand or the menorah represents Holy Spirit, anointing, full of revelation. And then the two olive trees, Zechariah is told uh, that, see, let me find it here. Have they not even a holy mountain? Dwelling the armies. Seven eyes of the Lord. Okay, so in verse, um, make sure I give you the right thing here. Ten, it looks like. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see, to see the work begin, to see the plumb line, remember he's measuring, in Zerubbabel's hands. 
The seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. And then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on each side of the lampstand? And what are the two olive branches that pour out golden oil through two gold tubes? Don't you know? And he said, no. He said, they represent the anointed one, anointed ones who stand in the court of the Lord of the earth. Now, what I like about this story is that Zechariah did not finish God's sentences. He knew what a menorah was. He knew what an olive tree was. And instead of saying, well, this is an olive, you know, I see two olive trees and a menorah. He said, I don't know what I'm seeing. What am I seeing? And that's wisdom. You know, and even things that you think you know what they mean, we still need to ask God what he means. Because a lot of times we just kind of attach what we think it means and it's not accurate. And then we get confused when things uh, don't play out the way we think they were supposed to or something that doesn't happen at all because we added our own thoughts to what we saw instead of asking Holy Spirit. So one of my favorite questions, it doesn't matter whether it's something that I am getting in prayer or that I see in the spirit um, or a difficult time I'm going through. One of the first questions out of my mouth is what is your perspective, Holy Spirit? I need your perspective. And so that's what Zechariah does here. Okay, so we've got these anointed ones are full of revelation. They stand before the Lord or beside the Lord of the whole earth. And then we also know that olive trees can represent Israel as as well, but also the, the church. You have the wild olive tree, which would be us, and then Israel is the cultivated olive tree. In Romans 11, 17 through 18, the New King James, it says, if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So here we see the uh, Israelites and the Gentiles together as one tree. Now, I'm not sure that the two witnesses really apply to that application when it comes to the olive trees. I just thought that was an interesting one. And, uh, and here we have a situation of Zerubbabel, Joshua, Elijah, Moses. And so it might be the militant church versus two people, but it seems kind of, you know, I mean, I guess it could be a, a group of people, a body of people. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. But if we go back to our text here in Revelation, verse 7, so while they had their purpose, nothing could kill them. And then it says in verse 7, when they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where our Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. So that's why I kind of think it's just two people. But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them and they stood up and terror struck all who were staring at them. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me as funny, but you know, here you don't know God and you, you know, you go and you're looking at these dead, you know, prophets that annoyed you when they were alive and then all of a sudden they just stand up. I mean, I would need some Depends, let me tell you. Or maybe some nitroglycerin for the heart. I don't know. I would need something. And still, 
people don't believe. See, everybody's like, well, if God exists, why doesn't he make it plain? You know, why doesn't he show himself in the skies? Guys, the heart is extremely wicked. It's going to deny the Lord because to accept the Lord means that you'll no longer be the person that you are. So it doesn't matter if he literally showed up and said, I'm God. People are not going to believe it. And so he's doing everything he can to get as many people as he can before the first bowl is poured out. So here we've got these people are resurrected from the dead and they're still going to uh, reject him. And so while they're standing there, you know, and terror strikes them, a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. So again, making it plain, making it plain. Then at the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. 7,000 people died in that earthquake and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second terror is past, but look, the third is coming quickly. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, news media, it's going to, you know, you're going to have reels. You're going to have uh, Facebook stories. You're going to have people recording this thing. You're going to have the media out. You're going to, I mean, people are going to be freaking out. And uh, I like that there's some that were terrified, but they gave God, you know, God glory. I don't know if that means that they're believers or if it means that they have enough smarts to recognize that this is not normal, right? You're not dead for three and a half days and then, and then you just float up in the sky on the clouds, okay? Plus, you then have the earthquake. Okay, so we've got the first terror done. We now have the second terror uh, and now it's time for the third. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he will <coughs> excuse me, reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell from their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the almighty the one who is and who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people. And all who fear your name from the least to the greatest, it is time to destroy all who have caused destruction uh, on the earth. Okay. So we see that after the sixth seal, the earth's inhabitants thought the end of the world was here, but it's not until the seventh trumpet that heaven announces that the end of the world is here and that the Lord, it has begun. So this is a process that's going to kick off several more events that will culminate in the return of the Lord. Okay. Now, um, I think it's important to to not get caught up in hysteria of people around us. Uh, if anything, um, maybe we hopefully learn that in COVID. I don't know. Uh, also, you know, I mean, when you look at different times in history where uh, people just went nuts, it made things worse. We need to make sure we're hearing heaven and what heaven is saying, right? So I just wanted to point that out. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 through 52, listen to this. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, 
in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. So notice it says, for when the trumpet sounds, and it tells us specifically which one. It says the last trumpet. Okay? So the chapters in Revelation are not in chronological order. The, the seals are, the trumpets are, the bowls, and the things that proceed after that. But remember, the interludes are the behind the scenes of the outward events of the seals and the trumpets, etc. Okay? So if you don't know that when you go to read like chapter 12 or you go to read chapter 13, you'll get confused. And so we see clearly that the last trumpet is when we are caught up to meet him in the air. There is no mystery. There's no mystery at all. We've just made it complicated because we don't want to be in the earth during all of this, but we will be in Goshen. We will be in that place of drawing near if you remember that teaching. Okay, so the time of repentance is over. The bowls of wrath are about to be poured out on all the inhabitants. The nations were filled with wrath, but now God's wrath uh, is going to have his say. It's time to judge the dead and reward the prophets and the holy people. It's time to destroy those who have caused destruction on the earth. The end is here. No one else will be born again. That's it. Okay, verse 19. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the Ark of His Covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstone. Now this is seen again in uh, 15.5. Then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living beings handed one of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God, God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. And so um, the end of chapter 11, we're getting more insight in uh, chapter 15. So the verses or the chapters uh, 12, 13, and 14, um, and then there's a song that's sung in 15. These are interludes, guys. So that's really, really important, or you're going to get confused, okay? Uh, so um, there's one more interlude uh, that's coming, and then we'll get to the end of the age stuff pretty darn fast after that. But notice that Jerusalem is likened to Sodom and uh, Egypt. That's astounding. I mean, Sodom is the height of immorality, and Egypt opposed God. The, the, the Pharaoh stiff-armed God and refused to let the people go. So this tells us how far Jerusalem and Israel will be from God at the end of the age. Um, we do know there is a strong secular secularism uh, uh, in that nation. There, um, of course, you have those that are observant Jews, but there is a worldliness there. And I think that as time goes on, we'll see more and more of that happening in that country. Uh, but they have a role at the end of the age, and they're not to be replaced with any... Uh, anything else. The nation of Israel is an unsettled beef 
that the Lord has with the nations of the earth. So, all right. Well, that is it. Um, let's see. I'm here next week. And so I should be able to get an urgent education done and a, another heavy revy. Um, I can't think of anything that would stop me. And if you didn't watch yesterday's uh, uh, urgent education on um, tyrannical government, I think, or government overreach, I would highly suggest that you do. Again, you can listen to all the Heavy Rebbe, the Daniel series, etc., on uh, Destination Church. And then you can listen to all the urgent educations on We the Deplorables. All right, guys. Have a good night.